Welcome to Manager Tools. As Mark's on vacation this week, we are releasing a Hall of Fame cast. As you might have also seen last week, employment is up again, which means when you make an offer to a candidate, one that you really want to be on your team, it has to be a great offer. And that doesn't mean salary. It just means a really enthusiastic, individual, excited request for that candidate to come join your team. So for the next two weeks, we're going to remind you how to make an offer so that you don't lose the candidates that you really want. Hey, everyone. This is Dan McGuire, a longtime member of the Manager Tools community. I hope to see many of you at the M Conference in Dallas on October 9th and 10th of this year. In my long career as an executive and now as an advisor and coach, I really have learned the value of a diverse and high-powered network. I think this conference is a great opportunity. We'll all be spending time with and learning from leaders who get the deep responsibility of leadership. I've been hoping we would assemble the best of this community. Now it's happening. I'll even be leading a session about leadership in a hostile business environment, as I like to call the hot management landing zone. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope to see you on October 9th and 10th. Please register soon. Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, May 7th, 2007. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back, hopefully, to Manager Tools. This week, like every other podcast we've done, focuses on one more tool in the Effective Manager's Toolbox, a simple way to make irresistible job offers to candidates. That sounds pretty good. You know, if you're a manager, you got people working for you. And unfortunately, if you got people working for you, you're either going to lose some or, lucky you, your team is going to grow. And if you're even luckier, you actually get the field position, and that means interviewing, And that means hiring someone. While we think it's funny and sad that so many managers don't like the hiring process, it seems silly to punish ourselves by not knowing how to do it. Look, even if you hate the process, why mess it up at the end? You know, at the point of offering the candidate the job and increase your chance of having to do it one more time. It's like being in the lead of a mile-long race only to fall down and have to run the extra mile at the end. Ugh. Well, today, we're going to walk through how to make sure that never happens to you. Let's go. This is going to be one of our topics in our interviewer series of cast. Yeah, I, I, obviously. Um, you know, every time we talk about interviewer and interviewee, we, we, uh, I think we haven't even figured out yet how we're going to name those. <laughs> we do confuse um, people, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, in fact, people ask us all the time, right? Is this interviewing cast or is, you know, is, is that going to, you know, I, I want to know how to interview somebody better. When are you going to come out with your interviewing cast? Um, and I think both sides of that equation are important. One's obviously a career management side. The other is a, is more of a manager, organizational manager side. But but uh, this is another one of those topics where um, managers don't know how to do it. Um, and, and, and I tell you something. I was noticing something the other day. Um, I'm really coming to a conclusion, and I, I hate to say it. I'm sure there are people who will be mad at me. I think part of the reason people 
are not being taught management is that there's nobody it's a function of nobody out there teaching it and and i think it's a lot because senior people would say that what they would say is well that's not really where the leverage is i would argue it's because some of these consultants that are so famous they don't know how to do it um they they don't they don't literally don't know the blocking and tackling and they dismiss it but they're dismissing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people out there who really want to do a good job. And, you know, when we, when we hire engineers, we expect them to know some basic engineering. We expect them to know soils and, and stresses and cantilevers and, and you know, uh, voltage and amperage and transistors and um, all kinds of stuff. We teach them that stuff. Yeah, and then, I think part of the problem is that, that when you get – to a level where you're, you open your consulting business or whatever, some of these large firms, it, it's not terribly exciting to focus on the blocking and attacking. I mean, we we see that in, in in sports all the time in football. You know, the the best coaches are the ones that focus on the basics, but that's that's not where the fun, that's not where the excitement is. And as we said, good management, effective management, is not exciting. It's not sexy. It's not right. It's not exactly all sexy. right. And we're talking about blocking and tackling, so it's it's not surprising to me that. A lot of folks out there don't want to spend a lot of time on this, and that's to the detriment of the managers and, and folks that we're talking to right now. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I think you're right. It's not surprising, but it's still disconcerting. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah. And I was talking where were we a couple? We were somewhere a couple weeks ago, and somebody said, "You know, are you are you going to run out of cash anytime soon?" And at the same time, both of us. I think the correct word is guffawed. I mean, we were <laughs> we threw our heads back and laughed uproariously. Like, no, there's there's years, there's years of stuff, um, and it's just it's just frustrating. So, yeah, I, th- this to me is an example. When people tell me, "Well, I made him an offer," and and I can't resist, Mike, I can't resist. I said, "Well, tell me about the offer." Well, what do you mean? I said, "Well, tell me about the phone call." Well, actually, I just left him a message. I said, oh, "Okay, good. You left him a message. That he had an offer." Oh, oh, no, 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 no. So what do you mean? I thought you made him an offer. Well, I called him, you know, and he, the, the person says to me in a, in a very official voice, well, I, I, of course I didn't leave a, a, an offer on, on his voicemail. You, you don't do that. And I said, really? Who, who, who told you that? Well, I don't remember. That's just not the way it's done. I said, no. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the way it's done by people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah you don't do it. <laughs> but right. yeah, again, you, you didn't get the, you didn't get the candidate to say yes. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe there's, maybe there's a better way. Yeah, that's, exactly. But th- that happens quite a bit. I- I'm continually amazed by the the number of managers out there who are finding great people, good people that are that are, would do a great job for the the company for them. Um, but then they lose them because they're not doing some very simple things when extending the offer. Yeah, that th- that that's the old joke about you know life is either a comedy or a tragedy. And that's tragic, right? I mean, to follow a process you don't necessarily understand or hypothetically agree with, to do it right, and then because HR doesn't know, because there aren't books written about it, to not know how to make an offer to someone, and then to lose them because for some reason I think there's a real disconnect between what people experience on one side of a process versus what they experience when they're delivering a process to someone else. And of course, everybody, you know, most people certainly have been interviewed and have been made offers and they don't get, when they have to make an offer themselves, they don't get in touch with how, when I received my offer, when I, when I got told yes, or when I got told no, when I went through the process, what didn't I like? Right. I think I remember a, a, a movie, an American movie a number of years ago about, I want to say William Hurt was in it called the doctor where he changed his entire experience of being a doctor changed because he was a patient. Um, and, and to me, this is a classic case where everybody's been through it, but it seems like we all get a lobotomy when it comes down to 
how do I actually do this? Um, people start thinking, well, there's a right way or there's a company way or there's an official way. And then they completely forget that, well, yes, but someone is going to be consuming this. Who, who's the person who's, who's the, the recipient of the process? Who's the candidate? Oh, gee, I've been a candidate. What would I want out of the process? Um, and that's one of the things that, that, um, I like about our interviewing and our interviewer processes are, are concepts because they've been tested on both sides of. The yeah. equation. And look, when you think about it, when they go to HR, the thing that man, a lot of managers don't know, very interesting, HR is actually evaluated on the numbers um, of pe- number of people they offer and how many people accept. Um, so, so in one way, don't, don't get too upset about that, but that's, that's one of the reasons why it bugs me that there's not a clearer understanding of how offers are supposed to be made. Um, but, but this is part of recruiting metrics, right? HR managers say, look, we don't want to make a lot of offers and get turned down a lot, although I happen to think that's a dumb, dumb factor to measure. Um, but, but even so, even though we're measuring it, we don't, we don't share that with, with managers. It seems to me that if HR wants to make the offers, then the manager who, who is going to consume whether they're good at it or not ought to get to know how many offers they make and how many are accepted. And, and in fact, I just had a conversation with somebody recently, Mike, who, who said, I've been told I have an offer, but I don't know the details. And, and immediately what flashed in my mind, I did not say this to them initially. I, I actually, the first thing I said was, you don't have an offer. Um, but, but the thing that flashed through my mind was somebody in HR, somebody in management is trying to game the system and make their numbers look good for a percentage of acceptances to get an acceptance without having made an offer. Um, and it's just, it's just frustrating. It's inefficient. It's trend, It's not transparent. Uh, it's aggravating. Yeah, it is awful. Well, I think a lot of that is because in a lot of places, HR plays too large a role. They get involved too much in, in the in the process, and sometimes it's because the, the the manager abdicates the responsibilities and turns it over to HR. And, and sometimes it's right, policy. Right. But in any case, it, it's it's awful. It's more the the fact that managers are inappropriately turning it over to HR. They don't know how. Yes, they're uncomfortable right. and they're unwilling, perhaps, to go out and find out how to make the offer. So the easiest thing to do is just to turn it over to the so-called experts. And right. we just think that's a horrible, horrible mistake. Yeah. And we don't want to be anti-HR. We're not suggesting that the HR people don't know how to do it better than a brand new manager. But 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 we believe it's just fundamentally mistaken to think a third party can do a better job of of giving an offer. First of all, any if an HR manager can give the offer, then they can spend 15 minutes on the phone with the manager and teach the manager how to do it. But Gosh, it's a bit like, I mean, I, I hate to say it. It's probably over overkill. It's probably hyperbolic. It's probably soapbox. But it's like hiring somebody, paying somebody 50 bucks to make a marriage proposal for you. It's like, hey, he doesn't, he's not feeling this. Why would he do better? I mean, it's not, it's not a series of mechanics. Um, well, it is a series of mechanics at one level. But if you get the mechanics down, which surely can be taught, and guess what? We're about to teach them. Um, then the real value is knowing the mechanics well enough to be able to sell, to be able to persuade, to be able to be excited about it in a way and to feel that sense of, I really want this person. And I think that um, I don't think there's any way that HR, no matter how well-intentioned they, well they are, can do that for, for managers. So we think managers ought to know this stuff. And, well, I guess that's why we exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's almost kind of like um, I was going to make some poor analogy about <laughs> about disciplining your children and turning that over to a therapist. Therapists, yeah, exactly. Yeah, therapists yeah. may know how to do it, but you're the parent. <laughs> it's got to come right. from you. So, right. okay. So, so enough of that. So, what's our outline? Let's get to it. Oh, this is going to be a famous one. I'm sure. I'm sure. Five years from now, somebody's going to say, "Yeah, I remember that one." It had 13 reminders in it, but it does. 
Um, so let's walk through all 13. Yeah, thank God 13. our podcasts come out on Mondays and not Friday. So good. Yes, good. <laughs> Very good. Nice. Um, you, number one, you, the manager, must make the offer. Number two, that means you've got to do some prep work. Salary, benefits, HR, we'll talk about that. Um, number three, interesting, may surprise some people, consider increasing parts of the offer or changing it. Um, four, you, you make the offer the moment you're ready and you can do so. There's no value in delay. Number five, you make the call. Okay. Number six, it's okay to leave a voicemail. I don't know where that came in, but it's okay. Um, number seven, be upbeat. You want to start with praise or congratulations. Number eight, bottom line up front. I have number seven in front of number eight, even though number eight is bottom line up front because number seven is is also about the tone. Okay, a bottom line up front. You make the you say the word offer. You talk position and salary and so on. Number nine, you you make yourself available for questions. Number ten, you make sure that HR uh, that someone an expert can be made available. Number eleven, you give a deadline. And you ask for acceptance when you make the offer. Number 12, you've got to keep other people on hold if there are other people involved. And we talk about how to do that. And number 13, you've got to call every 72 hours, every three days for an update. Okay. And then in, in number 14 would make sure you have 76 minutes to, uh, on, your, on your calendar to, to make the offer. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, it actually doesn't take that long. I mean, it, it really doesn't. Um, we're going to go into incredible detail and, and, you know, this is, it goes back to the old pledge of allegiance thing, right? Where, where if you practice this a couple of times, rehearse it. I, I don't know why managers are uncomfortable with rehearsing their jobs. We rehearse so many things in our lives. Um, I just think rehearsing it makes it makes you more effective. You know, if you're delivering the words out loud the first time to a candidate, you're not doing your job as a professional. So, yeah. And and of course I'm joking. It, it seems like a lot, but we'll give an example right, later yeah. on and people will find it this is not 76 minutes. <laughs> it's, oh, that's right. I guess one of the 13 steps we don't we don't say it in here, but but I'm sure everybody's going to want to know what it sounds like and so we're going to make an offer um yeah. on, on this podcast. We often have client organizations with 8 to 15 folks ask us about the difference between manager tools coming directly to them versus sending their folks to a public conference. Typically, there's a financial consideration. If we don't offer a public conference event at an exact location, there's often travel, lodging, and the inherent cost of time to travel. On the other hand, some organizations prefer to send their folks to our public conferences for the networking opportunity with other professionals and to hear interactive questions from others in different business sectors. Whether we come on site or you go to a public conference, our guidance is almost identical, as well as our delivery. The main difference is that with client on-site work, we host a call with you up front to learn about your organisation, current managerial practices, special challenges, and so on, and we listen to your key messaging. When we deliver, we deliver on that. If you want to chat, contact Maggie at maggie at manager-tools.com. Okay, so let's uh, let's 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 take them step by step. Number one, okay. you, the manager, must make the offer. That's interesting. Not um, HR, you, the manager. Right, 
Right. Um, too many managers delegate this task or, or allow it to be delegated or somehow it gets, it gets slipped over to HR or it's an HR policy. And, and we talked about that, I think, in the, in the warm up. Um, uh, it is, this is the single biggest mistake managers make, Mike. Um, we're, we're now at the critical moment. You've, you've invested a great deal of time, not only in this person, but in the, with the company's time and your time and, and resources of the company and in other people that you're interviewing. At the critical moment, you're going to turn over the only step you have left to ensure hiring someone, and you're going to turn it over to someone else. And what's more, someone else who may be mechanically a little bit better at it, maybe, uh, and in some cases a lot better. There's plenty of great HR people who can give great offers, but but they have no stake in the game, so to speak, um, in, in many, many cases, they may have a stake in terms of a number, in terms of reporting, but not in terms of the pain that your team is going through. Because nowadays, um, I'm sure this is only going to get worse, HR is spread so thin that they can't keep up. And I'm sure they're making multiple offers. And it, it wouldn't be the first time if somebody called me and said, well, actually, HR called my guy but gave an offer for another position because because they're so swamped. Um, it just, it, this makes no sense at all. You have got to make the offer yourself. Yeah, it's like, it's, um, like a, it's like a sales professional spending three months trying to, to do a deal. And then at the moment of the close, calling in their subordinate and saying, okay, now you, you, you do the close. Right. Or, or, no or, just call, or, or in, even if it's not a subordinate, if somebody's saying, I'm going to call in a professional closer. And then the, 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 the customer says, well, gee, what happened to our relationship? Has it boiled down to, some third party or, or, and, and here's the thing. If HR is making offers, it's because someone before you made a mistake and, or some lawyer thinks it's better this way. Look, lawyers don't run your company. Managers do. HR doesn't run your company. Managers do. Don't turn over the seminal, seminal step of how your company grows and, and really improving its talent base. That's how your company grows. If you want to be profitable to a lawyer or to HR. And again, I just want to say this again. We're not against HR here. Many HR managers do this well. They do it tactically anyway, better than managers. But that doesn't mean as managers we shouldn't or can't learn how. Just think about hearing from HR this. Imagine you've turned it over to HR and the HR person, good person, sharp, uh, interested in supporting you, says, well, I, I made him the offer. He seemed interested enough. I can't quite put my finger on it. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Look, yeah, that's a scary moment for a hiring manager. What if HR doesn't know to leave a detailed offer message? Um, what, what if it's policy? What if it's HR policy that you have to let HR make the offer? What do you do then? Make the offer anyway. Ignore the policy and make the offer. What? And yeah, look, look, every you you heard me right. Tell the candidate you're going to have HR call as part of the process, and HR will repeat the offer, but say to the candidate, you've spent time talking to me. This is for a position working for me. You and I are going to work very closely together. I care about my subordinates. I care about my team. I wanted to give the offer to you first. Technically, in my company, HR makes the offers, but I'm the one that decided to make you an offer. They're going to call you and dot the I's and cross the T's. But I've just told you everything that, that they know. Uh, they may know a little bit more about benefits. But I, I didn't want to turn this over to somebody else. And look, after, after you've done that, after you've done that, don't tell HR before. After you've done that, call HR and tell them that you're ready to call that person. 
Uh, yeah. And and please, pe- when people people say to me, "Well, well, Mark, I can't believe you'd advise somebody to go against policy." Oh, that's such a joke. People go against policy all the time. It's there just are, which ones? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I don't mean to suggest that we're all scofflaws here at all. I'm not. I I believe that there are times when you know the company policy is we we work from eight to five, and then some guy puts in long hours, which there's no policy to cover, and so the manager says, "Hey, take off at noon today. It's Friday. Go home at noon. You're tired." You deserve some time with your family or just go, you know, go relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, or, hey, look, I, I know that um, there's there's a there's a policy against this, but here's 20 bucks. Go go to lunch. I mean, just you, I, it's close to the end of the month. You, you're short. I'm sure uh, you got a big family, whatever. Here's 20 bucks. Please go have lunch. Um, don't not eat because it's the end of the month. And, you know, there are managers who won't do that. Mike, I tell you, I talked to a guy recently. He had a guy that he knew was stretched every month. And at the end of the month, he noticed the guy didn't eat lunch. And the manager said, Mark, is it okay to draw the conclusion that this person is not eating lunch because he can't afford it? And I said, not only is it not, not, not only is it okay, how, how could you not? I mean, how, how could you not? I mean, don't, let's not, let's not make our jobs just about, about doing the work. Let's make our jobs about caring for people. And I said, give the guy 20. Oh, I'm afraid he'll be embarrassed. Well, okay. Let him be embarrassed, but let him eat. Let him not be hungry. Um, I don't know. There, there are policies about budget and people move stuff around in budgets. Well, I've just got to figure out what bucket to put this purchase in, right? Um, we do yeah, it all do the time. We, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you know, part of it. I'm I mean, sorry. One, one I, of the, I'm sorry. I'm going on. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons why I, I think HR is a little concerned about this is because they know a lot of managers don't put in the effort to learn a, a, about the process and what they need to know to make the offer. I mean, there's a little bit of prep work involved, which of course leads us to our second point is you got to put in some work like every other aspect of effective management. It's not necessarily easy to be effective. You have to put in some work. Yes. Yeah. Step two is you got to do the prep work, the salary benefits, HR um, points of contact and so on. It's different for every company. Um, and it's, therefore it's, it's why, you know, and it's specific. It can, it can, you know, there's, there's, there's I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. And so HR does get involved, but look, before you, before you say, Hey, the salary's this, and I'm going to have HR talk to you start by asking HR, what goes, what goes into offers. And this is by the way, when HR says, I'll be happy to do it for you. And the younger manager or junior manager says, sure, I'll be happy to, you know, whatever you do, don't succumb, go back to the, to rule number one, you must make the offer, Mr. or Ms. Manager. Look, ask for the benefits information for the position you're hiring for. Okay. Well, we happen to think you should have known this when the, when you started the whole process, we'll cut you some slack. Fine. Okay. You don't know it. Um, you, you can't make an offer based only on salary and deadline. You've got to, if you were a candidate, you've got to leave. You've got to, um, I'm saying that wrong. If you were a candidate, you would want to know it. To then be a manager delivering it and to act as if that person wanting to know it is, is beneath you or is not appropriate or is too hard. All, all you're doing is essentially saying, this is about me. And it's not because when you make the offer, control in the process goes to the candidate. That's how, that's the true definition of an offer is when the candidate has control. If the candidate doesn't know something they need to know in order to make a decision, then they are not in control. The company's still in control. So you've got to give them control by telling them what they need to know. And that means dotting your I's and crossing your T's. You need to know the key points 
of medical, of dental, of insurance, life or health insurance, vacation, flexible benefits, pension, incentive pay, um, you know, guaranteed and non-guaranteed compensation. Look, take your time, take some notes because you're going to use them. Um, you need to know more than a laundry list. Yes, we have medical. Yes, we have dental. Yes, we have incentive pay. Okay. But on the other hand, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know the monthly deductible for dental. Although I would say it certainly doesn't take that long to say we do have a dental plan. You're welcome to join it. It's 20 bucks a month. Um, and, and some managers say, well, no, I, I don't want to tell them that because I, uh, that doesn't help me. The point of great selling is to help the person say yes. Not to keep things from them that might cause them to say no, but to help them say yes. And that means generally full disclosure. You may not want to have a half hour on the phone with them, but generally you've got to have the information in front of you. Yeah, well, they're, they're okay. coming to work for you eventually. <laughs> you, at some point, yeah. you better figure out you got to be direct and honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, direct and honest. That's a great, that's a great uh, pair of watchwords for this situation. Look, um, and, and rather than just saying HR saying, oh, yeah, we'll answer any questions they have, here's what happens, Mike. Oh, and your point of, you know, I've got a point of contact in HR. It's, it's uh, Bob Smith. Here's his number. Call him at any time. Well, if the candidate starts calling you and then calling Bob and you and Bob aren't communicating very well, you are allowing someone else to have a significant influence on whether or not you fill a position. Hopefully, if you've bought into the manager tools way of hiring, which is uh, set the bar high, um, then, then you know you don't want someone else who doesn't have the pain associated with the opening or the joy of filling the opening. You don't want to have someone else having a significant impact. And so what you do is you get an HR point of contact, but it's for you, okay? Now, you, you could, in fact, say to them, look, I, I uh, here's somebody to talk to, but the moment they're talking to somebody else, I don't think it's a good idea. So you say, look, any questions you have about HR, now, anything about the benefits, whatever, please call me and I will find the right person to talk to. And then what happens is you call Bob and you say, okay, look, he's got a question about X. Who knows X in HR? And Bob says, well, you can have him call me. No, Bob, I don't want you to refer him to somebody else because then it takes you that a day and another day and another day. I'm prepared to call that person. I want to create a relationship with Jane over in dental benefits and I'll call Jane and, and I'll keep you in the loop. Don't get me wrong, but I want to be able to refer him to Jane, or even better, I want to call Jane, find out what the answer is. Now, if the candidate box and seems to think that that uh, he wants to talk to the benefits person directly, that's fine. But he shouldn't have to go through me and then another HR point of contact. I should be knocking down roadblocks for the candidate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to know who your candidate is going to be talking to. I mean, it just like yeah. any other thing you do, it, you, you want to control the experience that the right. candidate's going to have. So it makes sense to know and have a relationship with the folks that the candidate is going to be speaking to. I mean, you, right. you, you can you can help that person understand what might be unique about the position or unique about the person, how to talk to the individual. I mean, there's a lot you can do in terms of helping to manage the environment in which this offer is being made. Exactly. You've got to manage, you're great, manage the environment um, because that influences the outcome. Yeah. Don't yeah. accept your HR person's name if they're just going to be a clearinghouse. You be the clearinghouse. Absolutely. Okay. So number three, and I like number three, or I would yeah. have liked it when I was getting offers from folks. So uh, you're talking about increasing their, their the offer. Yeah. Look, as, as you're preparing the list, go down the list and ask yourself, is there any way that I could increase this? Now, obviously, HR has got to sign off on the salary or your boss has to sign off on the salary. But 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 every companies are doing such different stuff now. There tends to be, you know, I, 
if I had to describe a trend in benefits, and, and, and I, a lot of people are going to disagree with me here, but in general, I would describe the trend in benefits is wider and shallower. They're tr- we're trying to make benefits appeal to a broader cross-section of people, and in many cases, we're avoiding pension costs and, and, and uh, health insurance costs. And so we tend to pay less in various areas. And so you often hear about cafeteria-style benefits where there's a bunch of choices. But because we can't have everybody spending all our money on every single benefit, um, there tends to be less available dollars for it. And what that means is some people don't choose A, B, C, and D, but want more of E, F, and G. And that's that, that's fine if that's the way your company's doing it. But there are many things that a manager can can affect. I, the one I personally like is vacation. Um, I, I just talked to somebody, I don't know, it's been a few months ago. They said something about, um, you know, they only give me a week's vacation. Um, like, okay, you know, gosh, why wouldn't the manager give you two weeks? Because you're going to end up taking more than two weeks time away from the job. Um, so, so look, you can increase vacation. Um, why not take advantage of your effective manager, your manager tools, effective manager mentality, and tell them they can have an extra week. And, and tell them, look, the policy is you get one week, you work for me, you get two. I'm not going to stand between you and the time off. I, I think that's the key, which is, set, you know, you've set expectations during the discussions. Probably vacation has come up and you know it's, they know that it's standard one week. But when you talk about two weeks, it just sends a message that you want them, that they're that they're valuable, that it makes them excited. Yes. And when they show up to work, it's a different, it's a different uh, story. I, I said once, I said this to a manager once, look, the policy is one way, give them two. He says, well, I, I, I can't do that. I said, well, yeah, you can. He says, no, I can't tell them the policy is two weeks. I said, no, I'm not saying you tell them the policy is two weeks. You don't want to get in trouble if you can avoid it. But since you're the guy who they're going to be, you're, you're going to be supervising them, you could say the company policy is one week. I have a standard. I give two. Because I know you need time. You're going to have moved. There's going to be issues. That's fine. Take two weeks. And I'm the one who approves it. And so I'm giving you two weeks. Um, or you can say this. The policy is you get one week after you've been here six months. I don't have that policy. If you need time off, you ask for time off. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? Uh, companies want to benefit. Let's be honest here. We're, we're speaking directly to managers um, and, and the representatives of the companies. But companies want to benefit from the fact that Blackberries and time at home and so on. So l- l- let's send a message that we're not just taking and not returning and not giving back in some way. So say, look, I understand that you're going to be working long hours and there's going to be plane flights and there's going to be time away from your family and from your children and from your spouse. And so um, there's an extra week in here as well. And quite frankly, if you need more time than that, we can sit down and talk about it because my goal is to have you happy, healthy, and excited about being effective for us. Yeah. And this is where managers really need to understand what the policies are within their company, where they have flexibility and where they don't, as well as, you know, frankly, this is where I always had um, leveraged relationships with folks in HR, my boss and others that had some uh, responsibility for approving the offer. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Okay, we're going to end it there and pick it right up again next week. Now, one more note before we go. Many of you have asked when Mark and I are going to be doing our next Effective Managers Conference. Well, although we haven't locked down the exact date and location, the plan is early September in San Antonio, Texas. Now, if you want to be on the early invite list, go ahead and send me an email, michael at manager-tools.com, and I'll make sure you know as soon as possible. Otherwise, we'll announce here in the podcast when the registration is open. So, with that, until next week, So long.